How's it going, everybody? We are back. Another episode of NFL Friday on this January 7th of 2021. It's officially playoff time in the National Football League. The Giants season ends after an Eagles loss to Washington. The playoff field is set after Week 17's games, and we preview Super Wild Card Weekend. Here to break it all down with you, the guy on the other side of my Zoom screen is Andrew Galata. I'm Nick DeLuca. Andrew, so much to get to from a Fast and Furious Week 17. For the first time, we've got six games on Wild Card Weekend in NFL history. So, so much to get to and happy to be breaking it all down with you. How are you this afternoon, my man? I'm doing good. I mean, this is one of the best weeks for football because you have kind of everything that happens with week 17 and you have like everything to break down from there. You got Black Monday with all the head coaches getting fired and then you have a lot of intrigue there. And then now you've got six playoff games here for Wild Card Weekend or should I say Super Wild Card Weekend here. Definitely a ton to talk about as this is definitely one of the most busy weeks here in the NFL. Yeah, I didn't even get to Black Monday with yeah. It was six head coaches across the NFL losing their respective jobs. Of course, Adam Gase, one of those six with the New York Jets. And we'll save sort of that talk for a later date just because we were talking a little bit about this before the show and just saying, yeah, well, you know, they're going to interview a number of people and we can speculate about what those fits might look like or not look like or who do we like for the job or not. But let's try as best we can, at least for the time being, to focus about and keep our focus on what is happening on the field right now, because you never know. You evaluate the hire when it happens, but until then, you keep tabs on who they might be interested in. But until then, you're sort of up in the air. So I want to sort of start with with the Giants, because I thought that that was a, a an interesting situation, not just for what happened with the Giants, but then into what we saw on Sunday night with the Eagles and the Washington football team. And that seemed to be the talk of the land in the NFL for this past week. So the Giants take down the Cowboys and did their part. They needed some help going into the day. They needed an Eagles win against the Washington football team later, which of course, as we all know, they did not produce. But the Giants, 23-19 winners over the Dallas Cowboys. They, along with the Cowboys, finish at 6-10 and on the year and unbelievably were still in playoff contention on the last Sunday of the season. Daniel Jones, 17-25 for 229, two touchdowns and an interception. The Giants, good on the ground, 28 carries collectively for 125 yards. And they did an excellent job of shutting down a Cowboys offense that had been pretty darn good coming into this game. Andy Dalton throws 29 of 47 for 243 and a pick. They slow down the rushing attack for the Cowboys enough. And this was a good win for them. Full disclosure, I was on this program last week and I picked the Dallas Cowboys just because I didn't like the way that the Giants were trending on offense in particular. Daniel Jones looked a little bit healthier. Unfortunately for them, it just wasn't enough to propel them into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, right now, I mean, if the Giants, their defense did what they characteristically did all season. I mean, they played well, and then the offense just did enough. I think that has a lot to do with their running game. I feel like when the Giants are winning games, their running game's doing well, and Wing Gallman's doing well, which shows you maybe once they get Saquon back, it'll be a different dynamic there. But, I mean, right now for the Giants, you know, you said they did their part by getting the win. You didn't do your part by only getting six wins. And I think that that's the thing. We could talk about the Eagles game, talk about, you know, what they did to kind of tank that final game or kind of what their situation was. But at the end of the day, 
when you're a six win team, you shouldn't be in the playoffs. And, you know, that comes down to this Giants team being 31st on offense. The only team worse was the Jets. So, I mean, look, when you're 31st on offense, that's not a playoff team. And I know this defense was great and Joe Judge did a great job and they kept a minute. They played a meaningful game on Sunday, week 17. That's great. But when you're six and 10, I mean, there's no reason to be like, oh, we should have gotten to the playoffs. It's like if we got in, it would have been great. But look, six wins isn't enough. I'm with you there. And again, this is going to naturally turn into talking about the Eagles and the Washington football team. Again, if you haven't been, if you've been living under a rock, I suppose, I'll explain what happened. The Eagles were in a tight game with the Washington football team through three quarters, playing Jalen Hurts, who was making some plays. I mean, he wasn't outstanding, but they pull him in the fourth quarter for their third string quarterback, Nate Sudfeld, who hadn't even dressed for a majority of the season. So they kind of, there was the sentiment that they sort of threw the game or, or were trying to lose for better draft position, not the players on the field, but the organization and potentially Doug Peterson, the coaching staff. I don't know that that's a hundred percent right. That said, I don't know what they were trying or hoping to find when in Nate Sudfeld. I, I don't know. I also would have thought they would have wanted to get four quarters of a look at Jalen hurts with an impending decision on him versus Carson Wentz. So that was also puzzling, but that that is certainly intertwined with everything that we are looking at. At the same time for the Giants, Evan Ingram catch a pass with two minutes and 15 seconds left in their game at Philadelphia this year, and the game's over, and they win. So, you know, there, there were a number of things for the Giants in a number of close games that they played. Beat the Bears at the beginning of the season. Beat the Cowboys another time, and you're into the playoffs. You start 0-5. So beat Tampa Bay who they were right in the game with and Daniel Jones put a ball on the pylon instead of back toward the field to Devontae Freeman on a two-point conversion attempt and who knows what happens in that game so there were so many opportunities for them and they were so close win your games I mean it was not about what the Eagles did and I thought that Joe Judge said it the right way in addition to sort of bashing what Philadelphia (laughs) did over the weekend Look, they didn't win enough games, and that's why they're, they're sitting here and, and watching the playoffs from home. And quite frankly, they were fortunate that the, a, the NFC East turned out to be the division that it was and that they were even in contention after starting 0-5. Any normal division, and they are worlds away from competing, it was just that they got lucky to even be in contention in the first place. And it, it's one of those things where – it's unfortunate almost because you get that sort of false sense of hope that you might have been in there. And it just, no team has ever made the playoffs at six wins. That is, that has continued to this day. The, the least number of wins is seven. So it's still <laughs> at seven. And, and that's not a record that the Giants may have loved to set. That said, they would have been in the playoffs, but this was not a team that played well enough in, in sort of that respect. And the only other thing I want to touch on with this is before we move forward is sort of your take on the whole uh, Philadelphia Eagles pulling Hertz for Nate Sudfeld and that whole thing because if I understand you the way I think I do it, this was not about this game this is on the Giants and quite frankly the Eagles don't owe anyone anything they can play who they want and and if they want to try and put themselves in a position where they're probably going to lose the game because they're putting in Nate Sudfeld I mean there's a difference between if you're really throwing the game where you're telling your quarterback, 
all right, go throw an interception. But if you're not putting your team in a fantastic position to win in a meaningless game, they don't owe the NFL anything. And, and we wouldn't even be talking about this if this game wasn't on Sunday night. Maybe that's the problem. Yeah, I mean, this situation, it's so many different layers because I think down the line, it's going to have more implications on the Eagles themselves than the Giants. Everyone says, oh, the Giants had all the implications because the Eagles win, the Giants are in. But I think Doug Peterson lost that locker room, you know, Sunday night. I, I think that the veterans are like, you know, if we don't go out and put our best chance to win every week, like, why am I going to stay in Philadelphia? And I, and I do think that's a real thing. And I don't know what they're going to do. They may rebuild. They may kind of tear it all down because you're kind of tied to this Carson Wentz contract. And I think they're going to have to tear it all down because I mean, I don't know who's taking Carson Wentz's contract. I mean, people are saying the Colts, but I mean, that's a huge contract to think that I don't know if Frank Wright can really resurrect his career. And that's a huge gamble with that amount of money. And is Doug Peterson saying, okay, I mean, I don't care what the veterans think because they're going to be gone anyways. I'm going to tear this all down. And Again, I feel like it's it's definitely when you're looking at if you're Doug Peterson, I don't think he tanked the game like, okay, we're definitely going to lose, like Sudfeld, go fumble the ball. But I feel like he's just like, look, I'm kind of playing with house money. I don't need to win this game, and I want to see the, this quarterback play in a close game. And that's what happened. And I feel like that's a questionable scenario, not only you know just for the Giants, but it's really for their locker room. I think that's the biggest thing. And I don't know if I'm a, a guy that's, you know, like Jason Kelsey, he came out earlier that that season, like two weeks ago. And he said, we want to play every down, like, you know, and play competitive. And again, that's a complete contradiction to that. So that's kind of what I want to bring up with, with the Eagles. I mean, it's more, I think with their, their locker room, this has to be in shambles right now. And I guess it shows a full rebuild in Philadelphia. That was the interesting thing to me, because I'm, I'm agree with you there. It was striking really to me, the reaction from the players and saying that, no, we, we did this wrong. And, and, it wasn't worth moving up from, from nine to six in the draft to lose your locker room. But at the same time, when you look at it up and down, I don't know how many of those players are going to be there next year. I, I really don't. And when you look at their salary cap situation, and there are a number of teams who are in a difficult spot because of what the NFL cap space and things are going to look like next year, when you get into it because of a reduced amount of money that they're bringing in. So the, the salary cap is going to look different. I mean, normally it goes up every year and this year, probably for the first time, it's going to go down. I'm, I'm looking through right now as you sort of eye up the rankings and it's not a pretty picture for Philadelphia. I know the saints are, are down <laughs> there as well, yeah. but new Orleans is at 32 in projected cap space for next year. And Philadelphia is right in front of them at, at 31. Now, the way that I'm looking at spot track right now, and the way they do that is with an estimation at the salary cap being $175 million for next year. Now, there is, from what I have heard, a little bit more of an expectation that that's not going to be the number. It's probably going to be closer to 190, probably from the 185 to 200 because, range. Sounds because of the 17th right. game next season. Right. I think that's kind of the big thing. They're expecting more t- TV deal money mm-hmm. you know, on that whole thing. And I feel like the big thing with the Saints, a lot of Saints fans, they say the salary cap isn't a thing because they're just so good at eluding it. They're always at the bottom of that list. That's the one right. thing I wanted to put in there. <laughs> the, the point is that even if it's at – so 175 right now was the projection. Let's let's pretend that it's it's 200 for next year, which is probably the max. That's the ceiling we can see. Right now, as presently constructed, the Eagles are still $50 million over the cap. 
So there are going to be a number of changes that need to be made. Yeah, the the, the Saints uh, again. I don't. I hate to keep harping on it. Are close to a hundred million over that cap right oh. now too. So they're in trouble <laughs> next year. Next year might not exist. They're going to have to figure that whole thing out. But but when you look at the Eagles, it's like I don't know what it's even going to look like. And you you mentioned Carson Wentz, and I just I I know that on the surface it looks like they they want to get him out of there. I just don't know that they can. Because they're, they take on more of a cap hit by him being off the roster next year than him being on it. And even if he's going to be a terrible teammate and he's going to be grumpy and, and they don't play him for the entire year, it might be more advantageous for them to make him inactive for 18 weeks of the season and deal with the, the issues that come along with that as opposed to him actually being off the roster as much as that stinks. And again, the the Eagles are going to look at this, not from what's best for Carson Wentz perspective, but best for us as an organization perspective. And for them, it's to hang on to Carson Wentz, no matter if he plays or if he doesn't. So that's the other thing with him. But I I thought it was interesting that you mentioned that because it's not even in addition to getting the Colts to take it on, there's a massive cap hit for the Eagles, even if they move on from him. So I'm, I, I agree with you there that you're probably going to see a, a pretty big rebuild or, or, or it's going to look different in, in Philadelphia going forward for next year. But such an interesting situation. Like, I, and I think it was totally overblown by the game being on Sunday night. Exactly. And, and everyone having that as the sole focus because this stuff happens all the time, quite frankly. I mean, the Jets were trying to lose for the longest time. <laughs> the Jags have been trying to lose by playing Mike Lennon, Gardner Minshew, Jake Luton. They, that's that's what they wanted to do to make sure that they were in a position to try and draft Trevor Lawrence. Now, maybe you would argue that it wasn't worth it to go from nine to six. You would understand why teams were doing that to get to that number one pick to be in a position to select the franchise quarterback. I get all that stuff, but I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I was surprised at how much this seemed to affect some of the players in that locker room. And, and at that point and at that level on the surface, you'd say bad decision because it wasn't worth that draft position. But at the same time, Jason Kelsey, Zach Ertz, if if none of those guys are back, then, you know, that is what it is. Although I I assume Jalen Hurts will be there next year. So if this has soured his relationship at all, then it, then it wasn't (laughs) worth it. But I, I, I'd be interested to see whose directive that was too. Was that really a Doug Peterson decision or, or was Howie Roseman involved in that too? Because you also w- would wonder if, if that was a solely Doug Peterson decision and he lost the locker room, the leash might be short next year in dealing with all that stuff. Whereas if that was a Howie Roseman decision too, Doug Peterson may be in a, a stronger position with his job security as, as the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, depending on, what next year look lo- looks like he'll be coming back they have said that but again next year is a new year difficult cap situation and all bets are off I want to transition to a little bit of what we saw on the AFC side in particular in week 17 a number of games with playoff implications the Bills and the Dolphins Dolphins are the 10 and 6 team that was the odd man out in this whole situation getting into the playoffs in the wild card weekend bills take care of them by a wide margin. The Ravens 
with a big win over the Cincinnati Bengals that wasn't even close. Lamar Jackson and that offense is really hitting their stride at the right time as well. Cleveland punches its ticket to the playoffs for the first time since 2002 in a game that was much closer than I think anyone anticipated. Of course, Mason Rudolph playing quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they are resting and not even taking some of their players to that game, and yet it it was a a two-point game, a two-point conversion away were the Pittsburgh Steelers from tying that game and then figuring out what happened after that. But the Browns able to hang on narrowly. The Colts are also able to get into the playoffs, a 28-14 win over the Jags after the Titans are able to hang on to win the AFC South, which was no sure bet. They got all they could handle and more and needed a doink in to clinch the the AFC South in a home playoff game upcoming against the Baltimore Ravens. So, so much craziness and what I thought was excellent, right? We didn't feel like this was sort of the concern in expanding the playoffs where you wouldn't get these sort of fantastic finishes to the season where it would be so competitive or maybe it would be down a notch where you, you felt like most of the teams that were deserving would get in. Miami was a good team at 10 and six and they, they are the, the odd team out in this whole situation. But I thought that this weekend was fantastic in, in all these AFC teams battling it out and having to find a way to win and get into the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, it's great to have this many teams playing week 17 and, you know, look, I feel like this, especially on the AFC side, I mean, I don't think we'll see it many times again, especially with seven teams in that will have a 10 and six team on the out and in the eight seed, you know, which is again, tiebreakers away from making the playoffs. I mean, I think it's more likely what's going to happen more is on that NFC side where you see an eight and 18 make it in that seven seed. I think that will happen more likely than not. But if look, if this was the year to expand it, this was the best year to do it. Cause you had a lot of good, solid AFC teams and, the Dolphins are the, the odd team out as they just got ran out of Buffalo in that game. It just shows how good Josh Allen and they are playing. But I feel like right now you see the Ravens. I think they're the team coming in. I think they're the hottest out of those wild card teams right now. And they just had a huge win. Lamar Jackson's running up and down the field and he's doing his thing. That defense is playing well. And then I, th- I think the Colts, I mean, they just got a really bad matchup against Buffalo. But I, I do like the way they play. But I feel like against Buffalo, that's a really tough matchup for them. And then the Titans, they're a team that Derrick Henry, they're going to ride that bus, I think, for a long time. Uh, But I feel like that defense, it's not as good as it was last year. They lost a lot of key pieces. But overall, I think Week 17, it was definitely an entertaining Sunday of football. And especially on that AFC side, I mean, there's a lot of good football teams, very deep conference for sure. I wanted to touch on quickly because this was another sort of topic that was thrown around a ton as a result of the Week 17 games and there was sort of this sentiment and now with Miami a long off season and figuring out what they will do. Of course, they have the first round pick from the Houston Texans upcoming in, in this year's draft as a result of the trade that sent Laramie Tunsil from the Dolphins to the Texans. Would the Dolphins potentially look at a quarterback and how Tua had played this season and some of the battles that he had with Ryan Fitzpatrick and who was the guy and, Ryan Flores giving him sort of the keys to the car and yet taking it away at times and having Fitz come in sort of as that relief pitcher and closer when things weren't going well for Tua. This situation has always fascinated me because I just don't think it's a very smart thing to do. I don't, I, I, you, you undoubtedly are hurting the confidence of your young quarterback 
and Miami was never a team that was in Super Bowl contention this year, right? So to sell out, I, I know that this is a year-to-year league and there are no guarantees and you're doing whatever you can to try and secure wins and make the playoffs. I understand that. And you can't win the Super Bowl without making the playoffs. So I, I, I get all of those things. At the same time, the Dolphins with Ryan Fitzpatrick as a ceiling was max one playoff win. They could go in, get a, a team that, that wasn't prepared to play or turn the football over or get a good matchup. They win one game, but this was not a Super Bowl team. This was not a team that could win three games on the road to get to the Super Bowl. So when you look at it that way, to me, it's like, how, what is the Dolphins' path to eventually winning a Super Bowl? It's not Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's Tua Tagovailoa. So why are you going in and, and screwing with his development to try and win games now when it's not to say you're, you're not going out to try and actively win them, but at the same time, it's got to be a little bit damaging to Tua's development who you're relying on to eventually carry you to that next level of, of being a Super Bowl contender. And yet you were going in there and, and playing with Fitz. Now there's talk about Tua not playing well the last couple of weeks. Should they consider a quarterback? I, I, I don't think so. I think that you got to give Tua a little bit of time. But at the same time, he did not look good at all. The Bills gave him a ton of problems. He had a couple of issues the last couple of weeks. But the, the Bills, I think, as quiet as it's kept, have a better defense than people want to admit. They really struggled to start the season but have gotten healthier and are playing good defense right now. And in addition, forced the Dolphins to play catch-up the whole game. But Tua was just not was not good on Sunday, and that's that's the reality of the situation. And now it's interesting to see where the Dolphins will go from here. Ugh, I mean, this Dolphins situation is really interesting right? because – I wouldn't have started Tua whenever they – I think it was like week six. I would have let Fitzpatrick ride that it was out. after the bye week, whenever Yeah, whenever that was, yeah. And I feel like, you know, the way Fitzpatrick was playing, I mean, I feel like Tua, he's a guy that I just – he didn't look 100% comfortable you know, for whatever reason. I think the offense was extremely vanilla. It just felt like they were doing bootlegs every single time. He was dropping it off to Mike Kosicki or Adam Shaheen, whoever it was. And then they would go score a few field goals, not turn the ball over, but you're not winning the game. And then basically, you know, if you're Brian Flores, he tried to win games, tried to push kind of the envelope there, put in Fitzpatrick and it went him a few, it lost him a few or whatever it is. But I don't know. It just seemed really weird because now to us, I think he got worse towards the season's ending. I think it kind of, I mean, I don't want to say he regressed fully because it was his first year, but maybe it was confidence. And I think that's definitely a valid concern, but I don't know. I feel like next year he's going to have a new offensive coordinator. So maybe it was the play calling and not a hundred percent sure there. You don't know who that was on, but I feel like right now it is, it's a very interesting situation right now um, in Miami, because I, I do think you go with Tua next year. Cause it was one year and he's a rookie QB, a young guy. So I don't know right now, I feel like Tua is the guy in Miami, but Again, it was weird because it felt like he did regress. I mean, I, I think we all saw that. That Week 17 game against Buffalo, he did turn the ball over three times. It looked ugly. And, again, I feel like he he definitely, as the season went on, maybe it was like Fitzpatrick had that big game against the Raiders and was like, oh, maybe he should be starting, not me. So, I don't know. It was definitely a weird dynamic for the whole season. I'm fascinated to see what they do. They have said that Tua is their quarterback going forward, they being Brian Flores and general manager Chris Greer. Whether things change from now until the NFL draft remains to be seen. As we know, 
The Cardinals guy was Josh Rosen. So we've heard that before. We'll see <laughs> what ends up happening. Before we move on to sort of our playoff preview, one last game I wanted to touch on, that's Steelers-Browns. Browns getting into the playoffs for the first time since 2002. Should Cleveland, especially now, as we get into the scope of this week, Kevin Stefanski testing positive for COVID-19, he will not be available to them in their playoff game, as, as won't be an offensive lineman and a wide receiver for them trying to figure all that stuff out and navigate the crazy world that we are existing in right now. Should we be concerned about the Browns in playing such a close game? Like Pittsburgh was a team that I think a lot of people were down on after an 11 and 0 start. And, and I understand that. I mean, they finished the season one and four, but at the same time, this was a team that did not run out Ben Roethlisberger, did not run out a few offensive linemen. TJ Watt did not play. And yet this was a two-point game, a two-point conversion away from being tied. And a team that I think is held in pretty high regard, the Cleveland Browns, is a team that could potentially win a postseason game. I'm not trying to say that they – this isn't the college football playoff committee. You don't get style points for winning by more than two. At the same time – it has to be a little bit concerning for Browns fans. Yes, you're happy you're in the playoffs, but this is not a team that seems to be trending in the way that you really want it to come postseason time. I mean, I feel like the Browns, they don't blow out anybody. I feel they play really close games. They play Jacksonville really close, a team that was supposed to, you know, definitely wants to lose or whatever their situation is. They lost to the Jets. So I don't know. Right now, they just play a lot of ugly games and, I feel like that's kind of their style of play. And I, I think going into the playoffs, I mean, their coach being out, Kevin Stefanski, that's going to be huge. And I feel like you can't understate that. And I feel like that's something that we'll obviously talk about when we talk about that game specifically. But I feel like how the Browns are playing is like just ugly ball. And they've been playing ugly ball all season. They run the ball well. Miles Garrett and what that defensive line, they do a really good job. But I mean, them, they really haven't blown out really anybody this year. And I feel like this was the, kind of the same thing, you know, even with the Steelers backups. And I know that's a divisional game and those two teams do not like each other. So again, I still feel like that competitive nature is there, but I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely a little worrisome, but that's kind of the way of football they've been playing all along. And, you know, they're able to get, you know, 10 plus wins with it. And again, it'll be interesting though, especially this week without their coach. The one thing that, I found to be pretty interesting in that in this whole situation fast forwarding to the game we're about to see this weekend for wildcard weekend the one good thing or, or thing that's in the favor of Cleveland here is that they have seen Pittsburgh twice before so those games are generally not one with we're going to surprise you with how we are play calling or we're going to put together a brand new game plan that is really going to shock you when you're playing a team for the third time in a season, right? So it's not to say that the play calling will be the same. It's not to say that things will all be the same for Baker Mayfield and for Cleveland. At the same time, this game is not going to be won by, oh, well, we're, we just weren't in a position to, to outsmart the Steelers or we didn't expect or adjust to what they were doing on defense that's usually not how these games roll when you're seeing a team a third time through this third time through this season. I, I feel like Cleveland's going to be in a good enough spot where they might be able to overcome Kevin Stefanski. Of course, the, the issue is now dealing with that Pittsburgh defense at full strength 
and and seeing how things go from there. Although I think as we're we're going to get into this stuff in a second, I do think that Cleveland has a chance this weekend because I think they run the football well enough. They're going to need a very good game from Baker Mayfield, who has been boomer busted times this season. But if there's one place that Pittsburgh defense is vulnerable, it's it's on the ground and it's in the running game, and Cleveland runs it perhaps as well as everyone except maybe the Baltimore Ravens. And that's how well Cleveland can run the football. So I'm, I'm interested. That's going to be one of the good ones. Let's get into the games this weekend. And we don't necessarily have to, before we start the pick segment, I want to get to what matchups matchup or matchups intrigue you the most about this, this weekend. I love the the divisional matchup out West with Seattle and Los Angeles. I feel like that's a game that I feel like the Rams match up really well against the Seahawks, but we all know what Russell Wilson could do. And he's, you know, he's a bad man. I think we could all say that, but I really like how this Rams defense is playing. That's a, that's a matchup I really like. I think it'll be a close game third time through, you know, that matchup as well. And I feel like whenever teams play a third time, it's usually really even, it's usually really close and, Again, there's no outsmarting there. It's who's the better team is usually going to win. So that's kind of the matchup that I'm looking forward to. And, I mean, besides the Saints one, obviously, Saints-Bears, I'll be looking at a ton, and that's kind of the one I've been studying all week. But, you know, besides that, I feel like this Seattle Rams game, I feel like these two teams are really solid, and, and they've played each other really close, you know, these last two games, and Seattle was able to win that division. But I think even if the Rams were without Jared Goff, seems like they'll have him, but I think even if they didn't have them, that defense is just so good, and, I think they can stop Russell Wilson. I think it's just a great matchup. I am with you there and, and looking forward to that game as well. You know, the one that I'm looking at, of course, the first one of the weekend, the Bills and the Colts, <laughs> Bills looking for their first playoff win in 25 years. So here's to hoping that they can achieve that this weekend, at least from my perspective. The other one that interests me is also in the AFC, and that is the Ravens and the Titans. I think that's going to be an outstanding game with the way that these two teams match up. They're very similar in the way that they play in emphasizing a rushing attack and a ground game. And it was such a good game at points last year in the divisional round. And it was the Ravens that were at 14 and two and this great team that was supposed to challenge Kansas city and new England to sort of take over the AFC. And then the Titans just stormed in there and ended their season. And that's always a game the, the roles are sort of reversed this time, right? The Ravens are quietly coming in as the wild card is a team that has not played fantastic football throughout the duration of the season and yet got hot at the right time and are a dangerous team that I don't think anyone wants to see. But Tennessee has also had their number recently. So that one is is really interesting to me to try and break down. So let's get into the pick'em segment. We'll, we'll just go in the order of the games here. Let's Let's do it that way. The first matchup, of the weekend from Bills Stadium in Orchard Park, New York. It's the Colts and the Bills over under at 51. Bills favored by six and a half. Bills have been on a tear since their bye week. They've played fantastic football. The Colts have played well recently as well. They have maybe certainly a more experienced quarterback and have a, a running attack that could potentially make this game close. But the Bills offense has been really impressive the last well, the whole season they've been <laughs> impressive. 
Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like Buffalo, they're going to win this game. I think they also cover. I, I, I really like Buffalo. I know, Nick, you'll like that. I really like the way Josh Allen's playing. I love that addition to, with Stefan Diggs, and I'm happy he's out of the, the NFC. AFC can deal with him because he's, he's so good and such a great competitor with him. And that defense is coming on, too. They're getting turnovers. I mean, you know, you, you got Tredavious White, Josh Norman. That's a great tandem back there as well. And I think the only way the Colts win this game, if Jonathan Taylor can just pound the rock and they keep Josh Allen off the field, I don't think that happens. And I feel like it kind of gets into like a shootout type game. And I think Josh Allen wins this game pretty handedly and they're able to score 30 plus points and you know win this game. It's generally not a great strategy in the NFL when you're like playing ball control. It just usually doesn't work, especially the weather this time of year. It's always talked about when you're dealing with Buffalo. Weather's not going to be too terrible. 36 degrees, it's going to be sunny. So there will be throwing to be had for both of these teams. And I know that the Colts are a very good running game. And I think they have a good defense, too. They're a well-rounded team and deserve a lot of respect for how they play this season. Again, they're an 11-5 football team. That's nothing to sneeze at. At the same time, I just don't see how the Colts offense scores enough points to stick with the Bills. There's all this talk about, can the, you know, the Bills stop the run? And, and on defense, how does it match up with the Colts offense? How does the Bills defense match up with the Colts offense well how does the Colts defense match up with the Bills offense and that is not a pretty sight I don't think the Colts have enough on the outside in terms of corners right now to stick with Stefan Diggs and what the Bills can throw at you in the receiving core and with Josh Allen swinging it as well as he can I know that they have a very good on seven and a good defensive line but in particular it's good in the middle as opposed to on the edge which is something that I think you need to slow down Josh Allen, a, a big edge presence as well. So I'm certainly going to take the Bills here. It'll be close to them covering. I'm not sure that they'll win by the touchdown or it'll be a little bit closer than that. I just think that if the Bills can put Phillip Rivers in a position to have to throw to win the game, that game is over. And in particular, I don't feel as though the Colts have enough to slow down that offense. And, and when they put him in that position, I think the Bills will be really successful. In addition to how the Bills' defense matches up with the Colts' offense throwing, the Colts don't have enough weaponry on the outside to to allow or, or to challenge the Bills in that sense. I think they're going to be in good shape there. So we'll move on to the divisional ra- round matchup, divisional matchup in the wild card round, excuse me, that I know that Andrew was interested in getting to. Rams and Seahawks, this one. From Seattle, 440 on Fox. Seattle is favored at home by three and a half. The over-under at 42 and a half. Rams wondering about whether or not they're going to have Jared Goff available for this game. If not, it will be John Wolford. Their defense has been outstanding throughout this season. Their offense, not so much. For Seattle, it's been sort of a weird reversal, of course, for them throughout this season. Their offense was out to a blazing start for the first eight weeks of the year. Russell Wilson, they're talking about him being an MVP candidate and Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. That offense has sort of slowed down, but that defense that we saw get torn to shreds against the Bills and others, they've come back and been a really good unit the last few weeks of the season. This is certainly an interesting matchup. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, this Seattle team, I just think they're an incomplete team. 
I mean, I feel like when their offense is playing well, their defense is giving up a ton of points. When the defense is playing well, then you see Russell Wilson contained and they're punting a lot. And I feel like they haven't been able to put it together all season. And I feel like that's going to be a, a big character of this game. And I feel like right now, the Rams, they're really good up front. And I think in the playoffs, especially divisional games where, you know, you've seen each other a lot. I feel like when you look at their defensive line, you know, Aaron Donald, he's as good as anyone. And he's going to be able to get pressure up the middle and force Russell Wilson to, you know, have to leave the pocket and then make some big plays. And I don't know, I feel right now, I, I think that they're going to stop them. They're going to stop the Seahawks like 20 points, maybe a little less. And then it's up to this Rams offense. Can they get above that? And I think they do. I think they run the ball well. I think Goff ends up playing this game. And I know he hasn't played well, but I think he does just enough to win this one. I'll, I'll take the upset with the Rams as I think it's going to be a really good game. And I think right now, you, you look at those lines. I think that's the biggest thing in this game. And the Rams, I think they're more battle tested. And, and I think they get this one. I agree with you that the advantage for the Rams is in the trenches. I think their defensive line in particular can be in a really good situation because Seattle does not protect the passer very well. At the same time, I will say that Russell Wilson is playing, although it's been reduced as of late, at a much higher level than Jared Goff or John Wolford. So I will, with with them at home, trust that the, the quarterback in the quarterback-driven league We'll find a way to get this done. I think that what you bring up are certainly valid concerns, and I don't know that three and a half is is small enough a line because I, I this is going to be a very close game. I don't know if it can get much closer than three and a half. That said, I would say three if you want to really pick at it. But to, to me, this is going to be a really close game, one of the the most fun of the weekend. I'll take the Seahawks at home, and with the quarterback play that you trust is going to be a little bit better. But at the same time, I would not be surprised at all if the Rams come away with a win. This is going to be a really close game. On to the last Saturday game, this one, the NBC, 8.15 p.m. Eastern. It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Washington football team. The classic or uh, not a classic, but a weird case scenario where the team that's the wild, the wild card team appears to be much better than the team that won its division. And that team is favored. Tampa Bay has been playing much better football of late since their bye week. Seems like they've figured some things out on offense. You feel like they are moving in the right direction offensively with Tom Brady getting more acclimated to the system that Bruce Bruce Arians wants to run. We know that Tampa Bay can play well defensively as well. Washington, a very good defense. The offense is certainly the biggest question mark here. Will Alex Smith even play? Again, that is a question Ron Rivera has said earlier this week that it might be him rotating with Taylor Heineke. And what does that look like? The spread from Landover, Maryland, FedEx Field, eight and a half in favor of Tampa Bay. I just have a hard time picking against Tom Brady in this one. This is the first time Tom Brady's ever been a wild card, but I don't think it's going to matter, at least not this week. First of all, this game shouldn't be at 8. I don't know who's who's making those schedules. Why is this game the primetime game? It's beyond me. And maybe that's just, as a Saints fan, you know, feeling that <laughs> Tom Brady and the Bucks are kind of uh, inferior to the Saints and what they're doing. But I just feel like right now, I, I think it's going to be closer. I do think that Washington covers because I think that even though the, the Bucks have played well on offense, the teams that they have faced have zero pass rush. And now Washington, they're coming in with, you know, <laughs> 
Chase Young, who's saying he wants Tom Brady, Montez Sweat, Ryan Kerrigan. I think they're going to be able to get to Brady. He's a sitting target, and he's going to make his throws, and I think he's going to make enough throws to win the game. I think right now, Brady, they have so much star power. Even if Mike, Mike Evans doesn't play in this one, Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin's finally healthy. They just have too much on offense at... I think that Bucks defense is sneaky good, and I, and I, and I think they'll they'll win this game and they'll stop Alex Smith enough. But I think it's going to be close, and I, I feel like Washington covers the points. But I think the the Bucks they're going to get this win. Now, at some point, you can only play who's on your schedule, so I won't fault Tampa Bay for this. And it's the NFL, so all the games are difficult in their own way. Tampa Bay has one win over teams with winning records this year. You know who has two? The New York Jets. So I don't know what to make of Tampa Bay because, yes, they've been playing better, but they've had an incredibly easy schedule through this point of the season, and I just – they're 11-5. and five. It's In theory, they should be great and have they have a bunch of weapons on offense and are really talented. It's just really difficult to try and sort out and understand – what to make of this Tampa Bay team. I like the way they've been playing recently. I feel like they have more of an identity on offense, though I'm not sure exactly what that is. It's certainly throwing the football because they can't run, but they, they I still think, needs so, some meshing and, and figuring things out. I don't think it'll come back to bite them in this one. I just don't see Washington finding enough points here. That's really what it comes down to. I expect that Washington's defense will give Tom Brady and the Bucks offense some trouble. As you mentioned, that pass rush, he's really, really good. I just am not there yet where Washington can find a way to scrape things together offensively or or find Tom Brady turning the football over in a way that would allow them to win. So I'll take Tampa Bay, but I'm, I agree with you. I wouldn't be surprised if Washington covers. On to Sunday and three games there. It begins with ESPN's game at 1 o'clock. It's the Ravens and the Titans. Baltimore, the road favorite at 3.5 with an over-under at 54.5. This one, a rematch, as I mentioned earlier in the pod, of last year's divisional round. The Titans come in to M&T Bank Stadium and shock the world and the Ravens and in their season a year ago. This year, the roles are reversed. The Titans, the division champion, the Ravens. Difficult start to the season, but have been playing very good football of late. That offense rolling, they're running the football really well. This should be, in my opinion, one of, if not the best game of the weekend. Yeah, I think it will be a good game. Both these teams run the ball so well. I mean, you want to talk about two teams that can just ground and pound in two completely different ways. You just have the Titans. They just basically are carried by Derrick Henry. He is it goes over 2,000 yards, which is just insane. And, you know, he's a guy that's just a workhorse for them. And the Ravens do it kind of, you know, with Lamar Jackson and, you know, all of those running backs between Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, you know, whoever they're putting out there. You know, both teams can run the ball a lot, but... In this game, the Titans, to me, their defense just is suspect, and I think that's going to be the difference in this one. I think the Ravens' defense is playing well. I think they can control the line of scrimmage in this one, and I feel like at the end of the day, I mean, the Titans, I feel like they give up a ton of points to everybody. I really feel like that's the case right now, and I don't think that changes in this one, and I feel like Lamar Jackson finally gets that pivotal first playoff win for him. And the one thing I do want to say is the Ravens, they're a top 10 rush defense right now, and the Titans are 19th. And I feel like at the end of the day, that will probably be the difference in this one. I think it will be a close game, but I think Lamar Jackson does enough, and he's able to kind of get over that hump there with his first playoff win. 
I know it doesn't make for a terribly interesting podcast, but I'm going to agree with you here and take the Ravens over the Titans. I love the way they've been playing offense this far and really controlling the line of scrimmage. It hasn't seemed to be as much of an issue now as of recently as opposed to earlier in the season with them and some of their offensive line issues. It is something to keep in mind that they had an easier schedule to finish things up. So that is also a a part of, of the equation here where Baltimore has looked a lot better recently. That said, an easy schedule is only easy if you make it an easy schedule, and that is certainly what Baltimore did down the stretch. I like the way they're playing Tennessee, sort of back their way into the playoffs off of the field goal. It was a close game with the Texans, and just looking at the way that these things work and and how it's trending right now, I'm, I'm going to go with the Ravens to take down the Titans. It's going to be a close one. Again, one of those other games, just like we were talking about with the Rams and the Seahawks. I I think this is going to be one of the best games of the weekend, going to be really close. But I'm going to take the Ravens' revenge dish, best serve cold. So I I think they'll come back and and be in a good position there. On to the second game of the day, Bears and the Saints. New Orleans favored by 10 from Mercedes-Benz Superdome. This one is probably one where I, I feel like there's a general consensus about the Saints taking down the Bears here. Yeah, I mean, the Bears, they back their way into the playoffs, and I don't want to say they have no business, but I kind of want to say they have no business to be in this playoff. I mean, they've been so up and down this whole season. I I know they did win three in a row at the end of the season before losing to the Packers, but I think the Saints win this game. I think they cover as well. You know, and right now, I mean, I'm really liking what the Saints are getting going here. I think they're going to get healthy. I think they get Kamara back, even though he's going to come off the COVID list. I think, you know, the Saints hope he plays, and it seems like with every day goes by, those percentages go up that he does play. Michael Thomas will play, which is huge, which seems like no one talks about him. But, you know, the 2019 Offensive Player of the Year will be coming back in this one, and he will be playing. And hopefully if these guys get hot... I really like the Saints not only to win this game, but you'll go down to make a deep playoff run. I really do. I think Breeze is getting that arm warmed up at the right time, too. He's been able to throw more deep balls in these last few games, which will then, you know, even if that threat is there, even if it's not as good as, you know, the Josh Allen or whatever, if that threat is there, then they can go underneath to Kamara. They can go underneath to Thomas. And again, for defenses, to me, that's really scary. I mean, just looking at Drew Brees, 13 of his 26 passes 20 yards or further were in these last three games since he's gotten back from the injury. So I feel like maybe since that injury, he got, you know, a new biotic arm ready to go because I like this Saints team. I like them to win this game. And I feel like this team is motivated because it seems like it will be Brees' last dance. And I know that they want to get another deep playoff run for Brees' career. I was just going to get to that, Andrew. I was going to say, it appears like it's going to be Drew Brees' last ride, and I don't see them ending that with a loss to the Bears. Now, how things shake out going forward, it's a difficult NFC. The Packers are also playing really good football right now. Seattle is one of those teams at the top two that you feel like is not playing great right now, but they could also me. potentially yeah, <laughs> pr- provide a roadblock at some point if they sort of figure things out right now. So... That, that's always something to keep in mind. I don't know how things will shake out, and we'll evaluate. The point is, the Saints' season is not ending on Sunday. The Bears, I don't think, have enough. Their defense has been boomer bust at times. That offense has been better recently, but again, against some questionable competition at times. They were not as impressive, certainly against the Green Bay Packers this past week. And it comes down to how much do you trust Mitchell Trubisky in a 
playoff game, and my answer, of course, is not very much. I assume that you feel the same way. The final game of the weekend is one that is another one of those third-time-around games. It's a rematch of a game that we just recapped. It's Week 17 rematch between the Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh gets this game at home from Heinz Field. The Steelers are favored by six points with an over-under of 47 and a half. Of course, the Browns, again, without their head coach, Kevin Stefanski. COVID issues, a couple other players are out as well. The Steelers will not be running out Mason Rudolph this week, or at least as far as we can tell. It's going to be Ben Roethlisberger with their full assortment of weapons on offense. The defense and players who are out due to rest will be coming back as well. T.J. Watt, the one that comes to mind for me. Browns and Steelers, third time around. Andrew, who are you taking? I mean, I'm going to take the Steelers in this one, and why I'm going to is because the Browns are coming in without their head coach, and I do think that matters because they are a young team. Baker Mayfield is a young quarterback, and you look at the other side, and Mike Tomlin's one of the most veteran coaches, and Big Ben's one of the most veteran quarterbacks. And I think when it gets down to it, I think it'll be a close game because these two teams, they play close games. They're huge rivals and always those AFC North rivalries. I feel like there are always some you know really great games. But I, I feel like even though the Steelers haven't been playing the best, I do think they get this win. I think Big Ben does do enough. And I feel like the Browns do have some matchups and you know through the run. And I, and I do think they're going to be able to capitalize on some of those. But without your head coach, that is just really tough. And, you know, for them, it's, it's kind of like they've had COVID problems the last few weeks. And this is probably going to be the nail in the coffin for them. It's amazing to me how many issues the Browns have had with COVID just compared to the rest of the league where they just seem to sort of be getting unlucky in this sense. And certainly for them, not not a time you want to be dealing with your head coach out due to COVID for the first weekend of the playoffs. But I, I'm with you here. I think the Steelers are going to take care of business. A team that's battle-tested. Big Ben doesn't have too many years left for him as well either. So... I, I think that Pittsburgh's going to come out with an urgency and their ceiling might be a win in this weekend. I don't know as we go forward if they're going to be able to to compete in the rest of the AFC playoffs with some of the other teams that are at the top. But I think they're able to do enough to take care of Cleveland. The Browns haven't been there in a while, and I do think that playoff experience matters in some respect. I, I just think it's going to be a lot for Cleveland. Again, this is another one where I wouldn't be shocked if we're sitting here on Monday morning and, and talking about the Cleveland Browns advancing to the AFC divisional round. It's not something that I would pick, but there is a formula, and Big Ben at times does have a propensity to turn the football over. I just think it's going to be tough for Cleveland at times when they're forced to throw with T.J. Watt in that defense. It's difficult on Baker Mayfield in their full collection of weapons and We'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm interested again in this one as well. I think Pittsburgh has enough with that experience to win the day in the final matchup of NFL Super Wild Card Weekend. So that's it for us for the Super Wild Card Weekend edition of NFL Friday. You can catch us every Friday of the NFL season wherever you get your podcast. iTunes, WFUVsports.org. For Andrew Galata, I'm Nick DeLuca. Happy weekend, everybody. Enjoy this weekend's playoff games.